Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. So I'm so jealous of him being at that point where you're looking up the mountain, kind of yes. thinking, you know, it's it's a daunting mountain to climb, but it's great to have it in front of you uh-huh. to conquer, you know. Yeah. yeah so I'm yeah, jealous and yeah. jealous of that. So that's it's another thing that's important to sit to sit and, and practice the process of enjoying playing for playing's yeah. sake. To yeah, remind yeah. yourself, you know, that that that's one of the main reasons you do it. Greetings, welcome back to the Guitar Smarts Podcast. Remember, if you're an everyday gigging guitarist, this is the podcast for you. Happy New Year to all our listeners. It's great to be back, and it's great to start our third year of the Guitar Smarts Podcast with this episode. We've got lots planned for this year, but we're starting off with a post-Christmas catch-up, a chat about things Santa brought us for uh, Christmas, and of course, a little discussion on the good habits we want to instill in our guitar-playing lives this year. Housekeeping, remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast app. This way, you will get alerts when a new podcast is released, and that means you won't miss the next show. Use the link tree in the description of this show to get to our Buy Me A Coffee page, if you do feel generous, and links to some of our Spotify playlists from previous episodes. Come and see us on the socials too, especially on the Guitar Geek Hangout page on Facebook, where you can interact with Kieran and myself and many other guitar nerds like us. And if you really want to support us, use the links in the link tree to leave us a rating or a review. This is the best way to support us, and it really does help us to grow. Happy New Year to you. We hope you have a great year ahead. Look forward to bringing more of the Guitar Smarts podcast to you this year. That's about enough from me. Let's get to it. Happy New Year, dude. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good. Happy New Year to you too. Fantastic. 20, 2023, eh? Wow. God, unbelievable. 2023. I mean, we're nearly a quarter of the way into this century. I know. That's madness. Yeah. Kind of actually, have I? Yeah. So lived, I, I, well, actually, no, this has happened. I'm only just realizing this has occurred. <laughs> I've lived more in this century than the last. Oh. Um, and that'll be the same for you now, won't it? Just about. Uh, right. almost, you born? almost, almost 79. Well, yeah, that's, so you yeah. have 21 years in, in yeah. that century and now you're into 23rd. Yeah, yeah. So true. That's scary, isn't it? I still remember partying on on the turn of the millennium. Me too. That night, and yeah. thinking this is the this is the dawning of a new era. That's right. Uh, I mean, nothing happened. The world didn't explode. Computers didn't 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 melt and, and oh yeah, the self combust like everyone that? predicted. <laughs> that was twenty. That was twenty three years ago now. Wow, mate, how time flies. Yeah, how time <laughs> does fly. Crazy, How are you feeling? Man. You're sounding a little bit hoarse. Have you suffered from this bug yeah. that well, I say bug. Yeah. It is more than a bug. It is yeah, it's either been rough. it's been rough. It's either yeah. horrible flu like symptoms or basically yeah. COVID or something in between that feels incredibly like COVID but doesn't come up on any of the COVID tests as COVID. It's yeah. horrible. It's horrible, Bas- right? Basically got that. We me and me and Lucy have just had that for the, at least the last week. Yeah. And now it's just kind of um, a lingering but fairly painful cough that we can't yes. seem to shift. The crunchy yeah, cough. For, for a few days, it was just, uh, it was it, it was definitely more like flu than uh, um, than anything else because um, 
I, I just remember having a couple of days of just b- bad dreams when I was mm. sleeping. And um, I remember having flu, proper flu, when I was yeah. in high school. I only had it once before. Because like, a lot of people think they've got flu when they've really just got a bad cold. They've just got a cold, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like when I had flu once, it was nothing uh-huh. like having a cold. It was no. like a separate illness altogether that landed me in bed for a week. And all I, just yeah. rem- all I remember is just going in and out of sleep and just having the weirdest Being dreams. delirious with fever. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so it was a bit like that for a couple of days of just kind of feeling rough and achy but mainly it was kind of just a bit yeah a bit of delirium for for a couple of days and um but glad to be on the back end of it now and um feel okay just like i said it's just a lingering cough that's just sucking mm. all my energy and feeling a bit you know meh but a I'm bit okay. meh a bit, bit meh. meh well i tell you yeah. i tell you what mate you're doing better than than i was at that stage really? of it because we had it in our household the couple of weeks before Christmas. Um, yeah. The, yeah, two weeks before Christmas it came on. I remember we were going to record a podcast episode and while I was about a week into it. Yeah. And I just said to you, mate, I, I can't stop coughing. No. And um, I feel I feel a, feel a bit grotty, but more, moreover, there was no way I could have recorded a podcast. It would have been a nightmare for editing because I was just coughing continuously yeah. and, and horribly. So you're, you're doing well. But what I what I would say is it's taken me a good three weeks mm. to, to fully clear it. Obviously, mm. it got progressively better week on week. I wasn't wasn't in the acute stages of it for, for three weeks, but it's but it's been a nasty one. And um, now coming back to work and seeing friends and stuff after the kind of holiday break, I'm being given stories from, from everyone, left, right and centre, around how everyone's suffering from this. It's like, it's, mm. you know, every, everyone's had it. Everyone has yeah. in some way had their holiday, holiday season interrupted by this, either directly them or family members. And mm. I, know, I, know, I know a few people have, of our age, like we're not, we're not ancient, but we're not spring chickens anymore. But who, who've been hospitalised by it? Who've had really? to go to A and E because of breathing issues and stuff? So, wow, yeah, I feel very fortunate not to have got it that badly. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I can see why people would would struggle with it for sure, yeah. breathing wise. I mean, we've been so like wheezy, <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. time, you know. But um, <laughs> we, we seem to be coming through it okay. Which you sound at fun. least an octave lower in your. Uh, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of sexy. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'd be thankful yeah. for that. You know. Yeah, be thankful for that. <laughs> do all the do all the podcast voiceover pieces like now while you've got this husky tones and it's a good it'll idea. Just, it'll just rumble greetings. through. Greetings, <laughs> greetings, podcast listeners. <laughs> like and subscribes will just go massively through the roof because people's. <clears throat> Bodily parts will be vibrating to your dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I sound like oh, a little bit dude. like a duck. A duck when I'm kind of laughing. Though. <laughs> I'm hearing myself on my headphones. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. This is what it's well, like. Well, dear listeners, if if you're like Matt or 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 like me and have suffered with this illness over the holiday season, hope you're feeling better. Hope you're on the mend. Um, it doesn't last. But it does last for a while, so yeah. Pace, pace yourself. Pace, pace yourself. It'll take. It'll take a while. It'll take a while. I'm just checking behind you as well as I usually do, just to see if there's anything I, new. And I think you've had a you've had a bit of a rearrangement of your uh, guitars on the wall. Possibly, possibly the um, the eldest lad who's yeah. nine nine years old, but going on like fifteen. He's like monstrously tall at nine, mm. and. Um, I think I told you about this before Christmas. He has been playing this half-size little strap copy yeah. thing that I bought him. He's been having lessons for the last couple of years, but in in the last few months, mm. um, he's really started clicking with the instrument. Um, forgive me if I've already told you this story, but there was there was a moment just before Christmas, about end of November time, where he was sitting trying to figure out this particular. Uh, phrasing on this this piece of music that he likes, and he had the tab that that his guitar teacher had written out, which was spot on. Um, but he hadn't practiced the piece enough, so he so like his fingers were doing a, an approximation of of what was on the tab, but the rhythm the the rhythmic nature of it wasn't quite right, and it and it was and it was not quite clicking. And he was kind of looking at me, and he was kind of like, "It doesn't sound right." And so I said, "Okay, I know why it doesn't sound right." And and I made a couple of little tweaks and adjustments with him, and almost instantly he then replayed it, and I got to witness 
something that I will never forget in my life. Mm. And, I th- and, I, and I'm not sure he will forget it because the look on his face told me everything. Yeah. He played it, he replayed it, and I saw that realization on his face in real time for the first time where what he had as the melody in his head of this song that he'd heard a, a million times was then going through his fingers, but then creating this loop back where he could hear it coming out of the amp and going back into his, his ears and the two things matched yeah. and, it, and it clicked. And he was like, that's it. That's it. Now we as guitarists, right, when we're learning pieces or frantically prepping for a depth gig mm. or just trying to just trying to bluff our way through through something we'll we'll do this like a thousand thousand times a day right where we'll go yep yeah, got it close enough that's it that's, that'll do or we'll nail it and work on a piece until it's exactly perfect and and but to see somebody do this for the first time in their life it, it's just made this huge springboard effect for him in terms right. of going back and revisiting all his tabs and yeah. it's also given him that confidence now to go, I can play guitar and I can get this. And it is about practice and it is about doing it and keeping going. And, and it's, I'm sure we all have memories of that tipping point where all of a sudden something clicked. And, For sure. And, but, you know, he's not Steve Vai. He's, he's a nine-year-old kid who's just figured out his first kind of little solo piece on, on electric guitar. But to witness that was, was wonderful. I've gone down a massive tangent. You asked me oh. if I've rearranged any of my guitars. <laughs> the answer to your actual question, buddy, is yes, because now he's ready for a full-size guitar is the other thing I realised yeah. while I was watching him play on this this tiny thing. He's grown quickly and I hadn't realised it. And so he's been coming into this room and, and, and politely asking if he can try different guitars. So I've been like, yeah, you can. Uh, and he's got the right kind of philosophy around looking after the instrument yeah. and respecting the instrument. And I'm like, yeah, which one would you like to try? So he, he points to them and he s- sits on the sofa and, and he, and I pull them down That's for so him and, cool. he, and he tries them out. That is so so cool. it's kind of like, yeah. So they've all got a little bit rearranged behind me as, as, as he's trying, yeah. trying different stuff out. Has he got any favorites? Well, his favorite now, obviously, is, is the, is the one <laughs> that I bought for myself, yeah. uh, from the London guitar show that we went to. <laughs> uh, and then he fell in love with that one. I, I, I don't know if I told you this. He saw that guitar before Christmas. Oh, right. He okay. saw me setting it up and stringing it up and trying it. And he, and he went, that's the coolest guitar I've ever seen. Um, wow. and, He'd just gone and watched the Black Panther movie with um, his brother and, and okay. mum. They had like a, a day or a day off or something, or I was gigging yeah. or something. And I, I hadn't gone to go and see it, but they've just went and watched the new Black Panther film. And he said, he said, if, if Black Panther had a guitar, that's the guitar he'd have. Because it's like this beautifully yeah. sleek, curvy, like Les Paul with <laughs> EMG pickups. And yeah. it's kind of a, re- and they're kind of exposed that's wood binding great, and exactly. everything. That's such a great, um, like description. Yeah. That, that's the guitar. It is the guitar Black Panther yeah. would have. Absolutely. It literally is. Yeah. So he's nick- he nicknamed the guitar Black Panther. Uh-huh. While I was setting it up, he was just like, that guitar has a name. It's the Black Panther. I'm like, that is so Spinal Tap, dude. That's that amazing. The- so, <laughs> so then, so then I think I told you before Christmas, right? I, the thought occurred to me all that actually I've got too many guitars. This is a lovely guitar. I don't need any more guitars. And actually, what am I going to do? Go out and buy another full size guitar because he's ready for a full size hmm. or give him this one that he's already kind of tentatively fallen in love with. Um, so I, so I, so I blagged him a little bit and, and, um, basically told him it was a customer's guitar that I was repairing for them. And, um, it promptly went away after a couple of days under, under, into the recess of, of a wardrobe upstairs. And as far as he knew, the Black Panther was no more. And, uh. Yeah, to, to, to his delight on Christmas Day a few weeks later, his, his Christmas present from me, not, mm. not from Father Christmas, uh, his Christmas present from me was, was the Black Panther and his little face was, uh, was made up. So yeah, he's been, he's been, he's been jamming on that nonstop since. Fantastic. So um, happy for him. Yeah, me too. I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I can hear the opening intro to Sweet Child of Mine anymore, uh, ever again. Ever. Oh, is it going round quite a lot? Is it? <laughs> That's literally like what, what I hear. I mean, he only has like about 10, 10 licks in his head now from memory. So 
the intro yeah. to Sweet Child of Mine, Smoke on the Water, Wild Thing, you know, just just all the all, all, all the classics. I'm going to have to have a word with with Matt Lake and go. Kick, kick, right, he's playing a lot now. Can you get some get, get some get more the repertoire up a little bit? Get the repertoire up because I yeah, but I can't say to him turn it down. No uh, rule, ru- rules that I will never say that that you know because I'm trying to encourage him. Stop yeah. playing guitar, turn it down, play something else. But it's just like. If he if he disappears off to his room and and starts starts noodling away, I'm just like, go for it. Sounds great. You're just gonna have to buy yourself some earplugs or something, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> or I could just jack a set of headphones into his little Line Six amp that he's got because I think there's a headphone out on it, and just go here. Look, this will help you practice better. Yeah, chuck yeah. your headphones on and off idea. you go. Off you go. It's a good mm. idea. So no, no new guitars other than there's a. a Tanglewood acoustic sitting there on the sofa, which is a customer's guitar that needs needs some TLC. So uh, that one's going to get set up later today, hopefully. And then keeping my eyes out for a Tanglewood acoustic. Actually, I used to have one. I used to have Did a Tangle a Tanglewood Earth two hundred. Sorry to interrupt this conversation. However, if you've made it this far, you should definitely subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app. Go and do that now, then come right back. Welcome back. Which was a beautiful um, solid body, sort not solid body, but solid wood mm. acoustic mm. guitar I used to have, and um, uh, sold it actually before Lucy and I got married, just to kind of oh. get rid of some stuff. Um, and I really miss that acoustic. It's one that I keep mm. an eye out for. There's always one or two being sold, but I kind of feel like I would recognise mine if I ever saw it. So <laughs> nice. Um, hey, yeah. that's that's weird when that happens. I saw on eBay over Christmas a guitar that I once owned and really? repaired and sold. That someone else was now selling on through eBay, and I was How like, bizarre. "That's my that's my guitar." And I was like, "Is it is it my guitar?" Because you think, well, you know, there's there's thousands of them, right? But I'd done some uh, some repairs to some of the lacquer and finish, okay. which um, were near on invisible. But you know, um, mm. if you if you looked at it in the right light, you could kind of just see where some some repairs had been done on it. Um, yeah. And even though this seller wasn't declaring those because they, they were nearly invisible. I, I could see them because it was my work and I repaired it and I could just see the, the very that? faint witness lines around where I'd repaired the lacquer. And um, yeah, yeah, okay. I know that guitar. <laughs> yeah. So what did you get? Did you get anything nice for Christmas? Anything I did. Interesting? <clears throat> I did. I don't normally, normally get relegated to dad presents like uh, chocolate-covered Brazil nuts and, and, and a pair of socks and... Um, the obligatory kind of um, men's wash yeah, underpants, yeah. men's wash yeah. bag filled with toiletries that will yeah. last me the whole year, so I don't need to buy anything like that. Yeah. But 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 this year, these two little puppies arrived from Father Christmas for me. Man, that's yeah. awesome. That's all you need, isn't it? <laughs> well, I haven't tried them yet. I've got to put them on the board uh, this week and give them yeah. a go. So for the benefit of the listeners. For the benefit of the listeners, two two pedals, yeah, both recommended, or you know, certainly you pointed me in the, in the direction of these, and um, I thought I've got to give these a go. So mm. first is, I mean, we need we need to get some sort of sponsorship and um, kind of royalties <laughs> on this because I think this might be the single most mentioned pedal that we've ever had on the Guitar Smarts podcast, right? Yeah. From both of us. Mainly because I don't shut up about it when we're That's talking you. about pedals. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've never tried I've never gigged with one. I think I might have tried your one briefly when, when you had one on your board, but it's mm. the TC Electronic Spark Mini Booster. Yeah. Um, which is is gonna go onto the board um as a direct replacement for my Moore Pure Boost, which has served me beautifully well for God knows ten years now, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um and it's the same footprint as the Moore Pure Boost. I think the, the Moore pedal, um, obviously Moore are a cheaper brand, but the, the, they're built really well. Same kind of metal casing to their pedals. And the Moore one is, I think, like a supposed to be like a replica of like the Katana Clean Boost or, yeah. or whatever that. Yeah. Um, so, and the thing I like about the Moore one is it's in, it's totally transparent. It doesn't color your sound at all. It just is a twenty dB. Uh, up to 20 dB boost, depending on where you set the level. Yeah. And it also has bass and treble, which is quite useful. Um, mm. for, so I use it for kicking in solos, where mm. I c- 
cut the base a little bit to stop it getting muddy, mm-hmm. and I and I give it a little bit of a treble boost, not not to make it shrill, but just mm-hmm. to help cut cut through the mix a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a like a treble booster pedal would would be used, and I and I just tap on and tap off for that for for guitar solos. Um, but this TC Electronic Spark Mini Boost <clears throat> has got the same twenty dB analog circuits uh mm-hmm. one knob so no bass and treble on it so mm-hmm. that the mix is the mix which i'm sure will be absolutely fine um but nice and simple but the, the thing that that i'm obviously intrigued about and and attracted to is this momentary function that you keep telling me about on this which is obviously if you stamp on it um and stamp off of it it works mm-hmm. as a standard on off uh, engage disengage but if you press and hold it right mm-hmm. it just keeps it on and then when you lift it, it goes off so for just doing little drop-ins and little, uh, you know, crazy rock endings for, <laughs> for, yeah. for numbers or whatever, it just it just punches in with that momentary function, which I which I am quite intrigued by. Yeah, but the other good thing about that pedal is because it's a programmed switch and not like a, a not like your standard um, pedal switch that you'd have that's just a physical component because it's programmed effectively right. to, to to function off. off different edges um yeah. you get slightly different functionality so for example um the on of the pedal it activates on the um on the on the downward edge of the switching mm. function so if you think about what happens when you put your foot on the pedal let's imagine mm-hmm. you've got a zero and then yeah. you put your foot on the pedal and that's a trigger which gives an upward yeah. edge and then yeah. and then it stays up as long as your foot's on the pedal yeah. And then when you take your foot off the pedal, there's a downward edge, in, uh-huh. you know, so you can imagine the trigger being this upward edge when your foot goes down and a downward edge. The yeah. on of the pedal is on the downward edge. And the reason why that's handy is because it means you can have your foot on the pedal for, for some things. Oh, sorry, I think the on comes on the upward edge instead, but it means you can have your, it senses your foot turning it on, whether you take your foot off the switch or not. Okay. So it'll turn it on. And if your foot's still on the switch, then um, then obviously it does that momentary thing. But I think the off is on the downward edge of the switch, okay. which means okay. you can. Um, I think which means that you can like you can turn the pedal on after a while. But let's say you know you want to turn the pedal off at the exact moment. You can then, after you've had the pedal on for a while, you can lean on the switch. It won't turn off until you've taken your foot off because it's waiting for that. Oh, downward. okay. See what I mean? So it's not like it's, it's not like a. It's not like click on, click off. Yeah, yeah, it's not doing everything on that upward trigger of the pedal. It's doing yeah. the on on the upward trigger, but it's doing the off on the downward trigger at the end. Got you. Got you. So it's kind okay, of okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, so I think I think that's right in what I'm saying. But that's handy again because it's not just about they've kind of programmed the switch to give you the most usability of the pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have found that handy before to be able to just kind of lean on it and play, and then know that as soon as I step away, it's gonna just turn off. I don't have to kind of think about an action of stomping every yeah. time I'm doing an on or an off. It's it's handy yeah. to kind of lean on something. It's almost like having a volume pedal with a yeah. preset control that you, you know, and you're leaning on the pedal and then you're leaning back kind of thing. So oh, I'm intrigued. Oh, I'm going to definitely have to have a play with that before uh, my yeah. next gig. Play uh, around with com- the usability of it because <clears> it's, you <throat> know, it's not, it's unique because of that, you know, yeah. it's definitely just, as a boost, it's a transparent twenty dB. Yeah. You probably won't feel too dissimilar to your 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 Moore Clean Boost that you use yep. at all. I'm I'm hoping not because mm. I like the sound of that. All I want is that ability to punch through, and I've literally um, you know sought after it because of that momentary function, which I think in a live setting, mm. um, particularly as one guitarist in in some bands. Where I need to to keep the rhythm section down, but then punch in with little lead bits. I know uh, there'll be people shouting and screaming at me, and you're absolutely right. That's what the volume controls are for on my guitar. And <laughs> if I learned to play guitar properly, I wouldn't even need pedals. I'd just set everything to to full out gain, and then just roll things back for all my different sounds. I know, I know this, but I'm lazy, and I'm of a generation that grew up hitting stuff on the floor. Yeah. And so, yeah. whilst I do, dear listener, I do use my tone controls avidly during a gig and i do use my volume controls throughout a gig i don't use them as my main kind of <clears throat> dynamic settings for yeah lead rhythm and 
soloing. I, I, I rely on pedals for that. And, I, and mm. I use my volume controls on my guitar and tone controls to add nuances and to make mm. finer adjustments in songs and to select certain tones um, for certain songs. Yeah, plus you've got an amp that works particularly well as a platform for building sounds on with pedals as well, don't you? It's not necessarily yeah. like you've yeah, got an man. amp that works best as something that you you set as almost like a lead tone and then wind back for mm-hmm. different things. It's not, you know, you, you're set up to work a particular way, so... Yeah, um, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I feel justified now. I yeah, justified. well, you should. I should feel so, yeah, justified. I love a, plus, plus, I love a pedal. It's good fun. They're addictive little things you know. to buy. <laughs> Joe Bonamassa has got his pedal ball back out of the last few years. You has know, he? It, it, yeah, absolutely. He's been... <sighs> Playing through, what does he call it recently? The amp shanty. Because um, he plays through about nine different amplifiers now. Um, he's still That's playing ridiculous. through. Yeah, because he's like, he's like playing through two Fender high power twins, twins. And also, I yeah. think, through two Dumbles and also a Mesa Boogie. Um, two Dumble, sorry, two Dumble combos. And then a Mesa Boogie, um, like a rotary amp thing. And then, right. a, and then a different Dumble. 50 watt head and cab and then he's still got the 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 four marshall jubilees off stage oh come on going through like a single 2b12 it's a stereo pairs kind of thing it's just just crazy i mean it's hilarious and that last rig run down he did he did say i know this is obnoxious i know this is completely obnoxious (laughs) but i don't care (laughs) (laughs) and then he's still he's got the old pedal board out and you know with tube screamers and everything on it and what is it that clapton plays through these days um, just a, a cable straight into a uh, straight into an old tweed amp set on yeah. set on set on maximum seven. for everything seven just, set on seven, seven for everything, for everything. Yeah. yeah there's no rhyme or reason to that I saw that in a rig rundown or something yeah. on YouTube they just like set on seven for everything yeah. no, no no accommodation for what the room acoustics might be or anything like that he just likes the number seven so he just puts everything on seven but it goes to show you how well Love how it. much Clapton is revered by yeah. well first of all by alexander dumble because mm-hmm. alexander dumble doesn't make amps of his design for just anyone mm. you know he was very particular sure. about who he for chose sure. to do stuff for and then those people would <clears throat> have a dumble amplifier whereas clapton's amps mm-hmm. were standard fender bandmaster designs that he got dumble to build so mm. they were not even dumble amp dumble was happy to build him yeah. off the shelf <clears throat> fender amps so they're not even like, yes, Clapton, I will make you whatever you like. It's not yeah, even yeah. going to be a Dumble. Um, no. I, but I, Mr. Dumble, will make you whatever else. Yeah. It's, it's like wow. everyone has a price, right? It's like the yeah. old indecent, indecent proposal film. Do you remember? Oh, God, <laughs> I don't know yeah. why my head's gone this way. I mean, but everyone has a price, right? I mean, that film's dated badly, really, from at least from an inflationary point of view, because a million pounds to, to do that probably, probably isn't enough or a million dollars. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like Dumble going, I will only do things my way. And then it's like, well, but what if Clapton asks yeah. you? Yeah, or Clapton's way. All right, way. Fine. Yeah. fine. I will do it my way or Clapton's way. <laughs> That's it. Everyone is a price, and Dumbo's price was, if Clapton asks, then fine. Then I'll do whatever he wants. If he wants me to make him a PV bandit, I will make him a PV bandit. I will, I will you know. do it. I will do it. It's Clapton. If you or I asked, I think the answer would be an emphatic it, yeah, laugh, exactly. laugh in the face. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how we got here, but it's amusing. Oh yeah, yeah. second pedal, second pedal. <clears throat> oh yeah, of course. Uh, n- n- never tried one again. This is a. Uh, I'm doing this a lot this year with pedals, and I would never advise doing this with guitars. Uh, try them before you buy them. But pedals, I think you can have a bit of fun with, and just kind of lose yourself a bit in the marketing behind them, or the what they say on the blogs and the forums, or the legends behind them, and and, mm. and just go for it and see if it works on your board. Because that's the other thing. Sometimes, sometimes. These pedals sound great in isolation, but then finding the place that they work on your board, it can be can be really easy, and they just slot in, and you go, "That's amazing." Or they can you can just go, mm, "For some reason, it doesn't work well on my board." But the second pedal is the the Boss DS One, mm. the classic, the classic, yeah, d- original pedal, which I've never owned one, um, but. I've got a huge love of Boss pedals. I, the Blues Driver was a massive feature on my board for many years. Mm. Great pedal. Coloured in its sound. I wouldn't say it's a transparent uh, pedal, and I, and I don't think this one is either, but there's a huge range of tones from it. And um, 
I quite fancied gigging this one and giving it a go. It's going to replace, let's see if it can, it's going to replace um, for, for the next couple of gigs my um, STO mm-hmm. way, way huge pedal, which mm-hmm. is, a, is a vastly more expensive pedal and arguably a better pedal, certainly on paper, because it kind of is a model of the, the um, Noble Overdrive, isn't it? Mm. Um, but um, And I really have, have grown to like that pedal. The, the way huge it's um but i don't know you sent me a link to this pedal before christmas the ds1 and said mate have you ever given or tried one of these it's a classic and we have we forgotten about this pedal um because it's just such a household name mm. and i think i think i have so i'm going to give this one a go for the next couple of gigs as my main crunch dirt tone not my main lead tone but yeah let's give it a go see what happens yeah well i was intrigued by there was a a YouTube video by Rhett Shull, who he was he was doing a, a video ah, on yes. the DS One, um, and he was basically saying the same thing. Like he was, is like how how is it possible that we we all talk about the Tube Screamer so much when there's a pedal like this that's yeah. still around for the same money, if not less money, you know? And um, yeah. and he did a fantastic demo of, of the range of sounds you can get from it. You know, incredible tone stack on it. You know that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the 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 ver- you know the variety of sounds that you can get out of it from altering the gain level and tone mm-hmm. is just huge and you compare that to something like a tube screamer that really is a one trick pony you know yeah. you're either using it to 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 you know to drive a scooped fender amp you know uh-huh. a tube screamer or you're using it in metal to tighten the low end that's basically the two that's uses it. of the tube screamer Com- yeah. you know and it, arguably he's right in saying that it's a completely overrated pedal the tube screamer as you've got something like the ds1 that yeah. can do the tube screamer thing it can do a million other things as long as you tweak it it's just um it's it takes a little bit of effort to tweak i think is it was his point is you have to spend time with it to really make it work for what you want but yeah um yeah i mean his review was really compelling in terms of you know um, how versatile a pedal it is and how good he got it sounding, mm, um, mm. so I reckon you'll have some success with it on your board. I man. think so. I do. Well, Just only only, tweak it. only because I kind of relate to that that narrative around the tube screamer. I think the tube screamer is a great pedal, and I've got I've got a lovely um, eight 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 oh eight is it um, tube screamer and a couple of different tube screamer clones sitting over there and. Um, they're great, but in certain situations, but similarly in certain, in other situations, I've, I've found them really just not, not being able to dial in the right, the right tone. So I kind of found myself agreeing with everything that he was saying about the tube screamer, which is obviously a, a monster, monster pedal, but, um, kind of then convinced me that, well, if he's got a similar view on the tube screamer that I have, and he's saying that this, this pedal is his better alternative and, and a better toolkit for, creating a, a different variety and, and tonal palette, then, then it's got to be worth a go. And it's Boss, so it's it's built like a tank. It's a wicked bright orange colour, which I really love. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, I, I don't think that has any effect on the, on the tone, but, mm. but, but time, time will tell uh, whether, whether the orange... Uh, I think orange adds extra sustain, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, they're, they're buffered, aren't they, the Boss pedals, which is... Which is never a bad a bad thing when when you're running a pedal board with several dozen pedals on it like yeah. like I have. Um, so I think the buffer <clears throat> on the board will will just help push things through a little bit a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. I'm interested. I'm looking forward to hearing you. Have you got a gig coming up as well? Soon? Uh, my, I've got a couple of weeks break, so uh, I think my first gig is on the twenty first of January. So yeah, I've got a couple of weeks to my first gig. Mm. Um, so. Some time to get some practice in and get some New Year's resolutions on the go and start yeah. forming some, some some good habits for the year mm. um, before I just dive straight back into into gigging and and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know in That's a couple sick. of weeks. But but I must set set some time aside and, and properly try these out on the board before I yeah. use them in use them in anger in a in a gig. Now we wanted to talk today a little bit about some like good habits. Mm. um you know not necessarily resolutions just just some good habits that um we want to try and try and enforce for ourselves i think going forward but one of the first habits i think that probably uh you're addressing is is your is the fact that you almost keep buying guitars 
Um, <laughs> well, at least pedals and guitars. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so tell me, did you did you tell me in a message just recently oh, before man. we had this that you almost bought some guitars as well? Oh <laughs> man, well, these are long stories. These are these are like an entire. Po- I'm, I can't, can't I can't witter on about all these in, in detail because they're too long a story. But suffice to say, mm-hmm. like. If somebody else had told me these stories that they were embarking on around <laughs> buying a guitar, I would have just said to them, stop, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. And yet I found myself against all my best judgment, as certainly on one of these Was this potential the top guy, the, um, Yeah, the p- potential. Oh, right. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, was, so I... Call. Well, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't, right? Nothing, nothing bad happened, but... I don't know. Do you ever find yourself going so far down a route that you kind of think, well, I've gone this far now, so I might as well see it through. And that's kind of what happens with this one. Mm. Like every, everyone in, in my circle that's into guitars and stuff, and I certainly know you do this, we, we like to window shop, right? So we find ourselves on All eBay. We find our, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the amount of links you send me from guitar, yeah, guitar exactly. or reverb or whatever. And we do the same backwards and forwards. Yeah. And I've got other mates that I do it with as well. Um, yeah, basically, I always send you something that's basically along the lines of, I'm not buying this, but this is a bargain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you should. But yeah, you know, should but buy you this. Should. <laughs> but you should buy this. If I were you, you should buy this. So, um, so anyway, I was up late one night looking at... Um, uh, guitars and, and and stuff and the drummer in in a uh, fantastic drummer in in my uh in the covers band that i play in the hot fuzz he's also a guitar player and loves loves collecting and and, and buying guitars and stuff and we're kind of into similar guitars so i know a couple of guitars that he's always hankering and, and looking out for and, and and similarly he knows what i like so we'll often send each other stuff as well going have you seen this one i think this is your guitar anyway I've, I, I've, you know, I've been gigging these Tokai Les Pauls for the last couple of years now, and and hugely yeah. rate rate them. And they're these ones are made in China ones, and so not even the full fat made in Japan versions, but the mm-hmm. made in China ones. And I found two really, really beautiful examples of the made in China ones. Then proceeded to to rip out the guts of them and do a full, you know, custom rewire on them. With nicer parts, nicer wiring, nicer switching, and 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 better pickups, gave them all a beautiful fret dress and setup. And and to my mind, they are just stunning instruments. Now mm. they they are beautiful. Um, <clears throat> but I've but I've been looking recently for a for a made in Japan one because you know arguably they are better than than what Gibson can produce in mm. in, in some instances. The Japanese make phenomenal guitars at every price point. At the more premium end of what the Japanese can do, it's absolutely sensational and can rival anything coming out of the big American factories. So I've yeah. always, uh, so, so more recently, I've been looking at Tokai Les Pauls and, and 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 wanting to get get hold of one of those. They probably go on the used market now in the UK. Brand new, they go for about fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred quid. Brand new, so you're already saving a grand, a thousand dollars, pounds off the price of a standard entry level Gibson. Right already, if you if you don't mind it, not saying Gibson on the headstock, which I don't. I'm more worried about the shape of the headstock than what it says on the headstock. And and Tokai copy the open book yeah. shape of the Gibson headstock perfectly, which to me is the is the right shape. Don't care that it doesn't say Gibson. In fact, quite like it sometimes when it doesn't. <clears throat> um, so anyway, I found this l- beautiful looking. Tokai in inverted commas Les Paul on on eBay that this guy was selling lived about an hour and a half drive from from me um, and and this is this is not me dissing this seller or or bad mouthing him he was incredibly responsive incredibly courteous um, a little bit of a vague story around the guitar which kind of intrigued me more than anything but he was selling this Tokai Les Paul for about four hundred pounds. For you know, four hundred and fifty US dollars, something like that, which is immediately like at least half of what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Mint condition, mm-hmm. right? Completely mint condition. Mm. Uh, it had been professionally. Uh, the, uh, I don't really care about this. I was more interested in the fact that it was a Japanese Tokai Les Paul, but he had had it professionally um, rebadged on the headstock to 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 Gibson. So refinished, resprayed, new decal, new. Um, uh, screening work over the top to say Les Paul rather than Love Rock or whatever it said before, uh, mm. and it looked reasonably well done from the photos that I could see. But I was just like, "Well, this is if this is what it is, that's that's a that's a lot of guitar for four hundred 
a lot of guitar. Yeah, should be should be should be way more than that. Yeah, uh, and it's in mint condition. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll have a, I'll have a punt on this. <clears throat> so then the, then the the communications went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and then I was adamant I wanted to try the guitar and see it before paying for it. And he was kind of cool with it, but we were trying to find a day to meet up and where we could meet. Anyway, we we ended up deciding that we were going to meet in like the early hours of the morning in some pub car park in the middle of nowhere and do this exchange. And I was going to try this guitar and and I kept getting him to send me more photographs of it. And then I was thinking, this can't be right. And there was a whole backstory with this guitar. Like he was certain at various points that it was a Japanese Tokai. Then there was other points where he was telling me he wasn't quite sure. It's what he was told in the guitar shop that he bought it in in South Africa. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that he was being disingenuous or dishonest. I'm just saying it didn't necessarily all stack up to the things that I could see on the guitar. And this is what you often find, right? People buy guitars with a story that's associated with them and they relay that story to someone else because that's what they've been told. But, um, there's certain things around and, and bless him. He opened up the pickup cavities and showed me bits in there because there's telltale signs that are different between a, I don't know, a Chipson Chinese-made Gibson knockoff versus a mm. Japanese Tokai versus an Epiphone or whatever. There's, there's certain things that the Japanese do with their Tokai that you can tell from some of like the pickup routing cavities and certain things exterior to the guitar and little things. There was, there was a lot of little red flags around this guitar that kept cropping up where I was like, mm, it could be a Japanese Tokai, but it's unlikely. There was too many things that kept coming up that saying this is when you add all of these things together, this is unlikely to be what he says it is. And it's been professionally rebadged and the headstock redone. So there's no real way of telling what this thing was originally other than to follow all these little indicators. And, and so in the end, I ended up pulling out of the deal. But it was like, it came it came within 24 hours of me driving to this pub car yeah. park in the middle of nowhere with a, with a stack of cash to go and buy this random guitar that I'd never seen before that that didn't really stack up to what it what it was supposed to be and then had a really weird backstory um about being shipped over from South Africa and you know uh, then being rebadged and all of that and I just and then the other key red flag this is the main thing probably is it was being sold for about 50% less than what it should have been mar- marketed at right so yeah. Oh, and, and during the process of the conversations, eBay uh, themselves took the listing down forcefully because it got reported as really as some sort of... Well, somebody had reported the guitar as, and said, this isn't what this... I don't know what actually... In, in truth, I don't know what it was reported for, but I can guess yeah, yeah. it was somebody reporting it as a, as a counterfeit instrument or whatever. So anyway... Um, Said I wasn't going to tell the full long story, and that is that is the shortened version. Believe it or not, there was loads of messages. You almost, that went and you almost had a guitar safari. Is is what happened, isn't it? You almost. I I was more intrigued about going on this guitar safari to try yeah. and find this gem of a of a guitar for yeah. a cut down price with this really intriguing story behind it, yeah. and having that. And my heart was was letting me go on this journey with this weird story about this mystery. South African Tokai that had found its way back and been yeah. rebadged, but and it was all mint and pristine. But then certain things on it just just weren't right. And I was thinking, if I was telling this story to someone else, if someone called me up and said, "Hey, Karen, you know about guitars? I found this guitar. Looks lovely. Looks clean. It's an hour and a half's drive away. This is what they're asking for it. Blah blah blah." Mm. I'd have looked at the photos and I've looked at the backstory. And I've taken all those details collectively and gone, "Doesn't doesn't feel right. Don't do it. Don't yeah. you know? Don't do it." Um, not a huge amount of money, but you could 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 lose a lot of money on if it, it turned out to be like a, a Chinese chipson or something. Well, I just anyway, I remember you sending me some photos and thinking, I'm sure if it was a proper Japanese instrument, you'd be able to see like the maple cap and inside yeah. the pickup cavities. But I think the pickup cavities were painted black. Um, yeah, and I thought I don't think that's I don't think I've ever seen that on a on a high end instrument before. Where the you know I mean usually it's kind no. of you can still see the actual finish um, that yeah. the top has. You can see that inside the cavities. Yeah, um, yeah. and details, I was searching all the know. forums looking at this, and so the Korean for a brief period of time, Tokai were making guitars out of Korea. Yeah, uh, before they moved over to China, and so some of the Korean ones were. 
painted black like this inside. So I was like, oh, well, maybe he's been sold a Korean Tokai rather than a Japanese Tokai. And, but then I found stuff saying, well, occasionally the Japanese did do this kind of um, screened black painting inside the pickup cavities, but then the routing didn't look quite right. And there was just, there was just like loads of little things that didn't, that were like, yeah, I suppose it could be, but it, but it, on balance, it, yeah, it might not be. Mm. Anyway, 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 came close, but then, then, di- then didn't. Um, <laughs> and now reflecting on the story, when, when all of those re- red flags present, it's just like, what was I even thinking? Yeah, it's you did just, the right thing for sure. <laughs> it's just not going to be that, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sa- save your yeah. cash for, for when something else comes along that is clearly, exactly. clearly a much, uh, a more suitable target for yeah. a, for a well-earned guitar safari. Exactly. How about you, mate? Have you been seeing anything in the sales or... Oh, yeah, um, of course. Lots of stuff. Been getting the urge to buy something over the Christmas break while you've been off work and had a bit of free time on your hands to to peruse the guitar porn universe? Yeah, I'm always having a look at things, but I've no intention. I've no real need for anything at the moment. I'd like to get... At some point, a better home acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no major priority for that. I'm happy with what I've got at the moment. I feel like, you know, 2022 was really good for me, getting a couple of new guitars. And um, it was the fir- it was the first big year where I changed to an old digital rig, which I'm still really happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I, don't, I don't really feel a massive need at the moment to get anything. But what I do want to do is there's some changes I want to make to what I do have Um uh, like for example, the Esquire that I have, I want to get a new pickup for that. Mm-hmm. Something a bit darker, a bit woodier, um, and I want to do some setting up of the guitars. And we would, I know we always do this, right? We always have like yeah. a subject for the podcast, and that subject tends to be what we talk about for about the last ten minutes, right? Because <laughs> we're just catching up. Because on we're just catching up on so much stuff that by the time we get around to the topic <laughs> that's in the thumbnail, you know, that's it's about the last ten minutes of conversation. Um, but like my, one of my biggest habits that I want to get into better this year is looking after, looking after my guitars better. Okay. Um, because if I'm not gigging them, they, they get, they, they go on the wall Mm. behind me Mm. and they stay there and, um, and, and I will rarely change the strings and I'll dust them down when I tear them down. And Mm -hmm. if I'm not taking it down, they'll, they're being, they're getting neglected really. So, Mm. um, I've ordered, um, strings for for all my guitars uh, all the guitars are going to get restrung and and just properly set up again at the beginning of this year um my even the bass guitar I ordered a new set of strings for the bass guitar um it's got a broken tuner so i've ordered a new tuning peg for it cool. um so even that's just going to get a really good clean and a you know fret <laughs> dress so i'm just going to get everything looking good everything back to how it should be mm. in terms of cleanliness and in terms of setup mm-hmm. and try and keep things that way as much as possible um and that's so that's like a big habit that that i want to address this year um and i know that in the next couple of weeks we're going to go over redo our eight steps you know that it was one of the first podcasts we did it was, steps, yeah, it was a couple of know. years ago now, wasn't it? That's right. I'll, um, yeah. I'll come up with another or, or, or a build on that then, yeah. for, so that we can kind of refresh our, our memories, and maybe we'll record that in the next couple of weeks. So we'll do we'll do some essential steps of guitar maintenance again. The eight steps episode is still there and available to listen to, and there's some great great tips in that. But maybe maybe I'll take that episode and build on it and, and come up with a few more because we we deliberately stuck those eight steps as. These are the th- these are the basics that every guitarist should know how to do. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll also add in now a couple of more intermediate steps um, because I know we've got got a whole range of technical kind of capabilities of people that listen listen to the show. So <clears throat> there are there are a few steps that I wanted to talk about in that last episode, mm. Um, mm. but felt that they were just perhaps a little bit more involved as as maintenance steps. You would probably be better yeah. off. Um, waiting uh, until you've got a certain skill set to do. So maybe we'll add add some to, to that. And to be honest, mate, that'd be a good conversation for you and I to have because you've you've gone through the eight steps several times on your guitars over mm-hmm. the, since we did that episode two years ago. So oh, yeah. I think you're ready to to do some some additional um, kind of steps on guitar maintenance for sure. yourself now. For sure. So, there's some there's some jobs I know some of my guitars need doing that that are beyond those eight steps that um, okay. I, I feel confident enough to do them if I've got the right tools. So um, yeah. be good to talk about those things. Oh, but I that's, see that. that's a big big habit for me that I think everyone should try and address this year is um, 
Um, and I'm sure everyone does this anyway, but yeah, looking after the instruments, keeping them mm. set up. It's a, because it surprises me how quickly they can change just from yeah. temperature and day to day. They're constantly under tension. You know, you yeah. think about your guitars constantly in this state of what you think is equilibrium, mm-hmm. you know, between the strings and the neck and things like that. But it's probably not under e- an equilibrium. Over time, it's probably pulling one way or the other and this and this and that. And as temperature changes, that the wood's going to react differently. So you've got this active organic thing changing day by day. Yeah. And after a few months, we just got to, you know, check those measurements again, you know, check the relief, yeah. check the check the height of the strings at certain positions and, and just make sure that the guitar's kind of, you know, as, as it should be. Um, For sure. And I guess one of the keys to that is kind of when you do have your guitar set up and you love how it feels, take some measurements, right? Take yeah. some measurements and record them and, and, and say, right, these are the measurements that my guitar exhibits, you know, when, mm-hmm. when it's set mm-hmm. up as I want it to. And exactly. after a while, after a while, keep, you know, it's kind of like, you know, checking your, yeah, you know the the amount of air pressure you've got in your tires, and you know it's it's all that stuff, isn't it? It's of course it is, things. man. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect to <clears throat> you know to just uh, like do no maintenance to your car and for it to drive like it did out of the out of the showroom, of like, course, f- forevermore, right? Um, and, and guitars are no different. I mean, you know, at the at the extreme of it, it's why professional successful musicians that go out every night playing have guitar text right if it, otherwise you you don't need an on-stage guitar tech right guitars would just stay the same but but they yeah. don't that's the that's the extreme of it but for jobbing like weekend warriors or just hobby guitarists like ourselves or even kind of more more serious you know professional guitarists but that aren't like gigging stadiums every night and don't have a dedicated guitar tech your guitar will will move and will fluctuate mm. even if and, and we know that that happens with temperature and kind of like just playing the guitar and moving components on the guitar itself and fretware and all of those kind of different things but if all of those things stayed constant right even just having your guitar hung up on the wall it would move because of the way in which the strings age of right course. the strings the strings themselves age over time and even though it's a minute difference mm. they start to pull on the neck in a different way as those strings age. So mm-hmm. you could set up a guitar and keep it in like a hermetically sealed room with constant temperature and all of that mm-hmm. and just leave it hung up on the wall for a year and the setup will be different when you pull it down a year mm-hmm. later just because those strings have aged and stretched in a different way and as strings get older, they mm-hmm. don't pull in the same way. So, yeah, man. Anyway, we'll we'll definitely... We'll, let's do some of those, those, those steps. Um, next week we'll do a whole episode dedicated on that so for those that are into the kind of more technical maintenance side of things or just want to want to have a go at getting their, their gear up to tip-top shape we'll um we'll do a, a whistle-stop tour of all the checklist of things that you should be doing and maybe some of the tools that you need to buy as well i don't think we covered that in enough detail last time what what tools you really need um to do all of this um because to your point, Matt, having the right tools to hand, and it, you don't need to go and spend thousands of pounds at Stumac or anywhere to to do this. You can get some of these tools from you know a reasonably priced places now, and just having those will make the job infinitely easier than just opening up your kind of household toolbox and having a go with with whatever's in there. That's uh, uh, yeah, that's not the way forward. No, but by 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 the proper stuff. <laughs> get the proper stuff and do a proper job of it. You know. Yeah. The other, the other thing that um that and this is in, this is really important I think for for everyone um do you know what, especially if you're like a guitar teacher you know if you're a guitar teacher and you spend all day working with students on things that they and the learning and stuff like that I know there's a lot of enjoyment in in that in itself but um, something that I think we forget to do when we're at a certain point in our lives with guitar playing is to remember to play and to enjoy playing. To remember to, to to just sit and play for enjoyment's sake, not always just mm-hmm. to tweak the sounds of the board or just to practice songs for a gig and things like that. It's really important to sit down and say, well, you know, I'm not going to practice, I'm just going to play for the enjoyment of playing right now and feed that part of my psyche and remember to um, kind of, you know, take something back from this instrument and 
and uh, you know just play stuff that play along with something that I really love and just enjoy playing guitar not forgetting to do that is important habit to make mm. I think it really is I think that'll feed into other things as well when you do practice or try and get better at other things is that you know you're not going through a difficult process you're you know, you're getting yourself used to enjoying those moments where you play guitar again, you know. I need to do that. I, need, I so Me need too. to do that. I was going to say earlier on, when you were talking about your son uh, going through this stage now where he's, you know, he's really picking things up quickly, I just thought, I'm so jealous of mm. that. I remember that so well. Mm. When I was when I was a similar age to him, probably late. I mean, he's, he's you know, started quite early, isn't he? And, yeah, I think, he is. Um, yeah. You know, I think probably 13 or 14 when I was going through that stage where it just felt every day was just a, <laughs> uh, it felt like every day was like a doubling of what you could do. You know what I mean? I You'd, I'd listen to something and I'd just be like, after doing my homework or whatever, I'd be playing guitar and be like, yes, I can play that now. And then yeah. the next day, something new would be like, yes, I can play that. It'd just be like one bar at a time. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of don't have the opportunity to do that now because not because mm. you know everything, but it, it's it's like you're at that end of the scale where it's the it's kind of diminishing returns, right? Yeah, you know. So I'm so jealous of him being at that point where you're looking up the mountain, kind of yes. thinking, you know, it's it's a daunting mountain to climb, but it's great to have it in front of you uh-huh. to conquer, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm yeah, jealous. Yeah. I'm jealous of that. So that's it's another thing that's important to sit to sit and, and practice the process of enjoying playing for playing's yeah. sake. To yeah, remind yeah. yourself, you know that that that's one of the main reasons you do it, um, exactly. and not just to get caught up all the time in you know um, looking after your instruments or practicing mm-hmm. for gigs mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's my danger. That's my that's my blind spot now, <clears throat> and I'm sure is what led to. Do you remember I had that little incident of cramp during the middle of a gig last year? Yeah. And um, I, I felt it again in recent gigs. Coming really? From, yeah, not, not, not anywhere as acute as that particular episode, but I felt just, just once or twice a little twinge of it coming back. And I'm pretty certain it is because I'm just going from gig to gig. Hmm. Um, and not playing enough during, during the week. And it's like, yeah. you know, going and running a marathon without doing any training in between and just just rocking up on the day and doing a, doing a few stretches and then going right off we go full into this marathon and then at some point you know your muscles go this this hurts and, and we haven't trained for this and i've i've found myself only be and i don't gig frequently i'm not a pro musician i gig like two or three times a month yeah but that means like between gigging at the weekend sometimes there's two weeks where i don't pick up a guitar yeah well there you go uh, and then I go out for a full night and play like a three hour set of, of music. Yeah. Like as, as the only guitarist in the band. So I'm, I'm all over the place on the neck yeah. trying to play. And then my hands start complaining going, this hurts. Why, why haven't you walked up properly? Of course it hurts. Go, yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course it hurts. It. You know? Um, so yeah, I need to get into that routine of enjoying playing yeah. in those intervals, but also reminding myself that it's important because it's also helping me condition yeah. myself for, for gigs. A bit of match fitness, yeah. you know, maintaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a good good shout. That's another good reason to do it. But do it because mm-hmm. you enjoy it. That's the that's the that was the main philosophy of of, of what of what I'm thinking as well. It's not just about yeah. the purpose of practice or keeping yourself match fit and stuff. It's remembering that yeah. when you do sit down and play, play yeah. for your enjoyment. <laughs> As yeah. well as as you know, just you know, play a sweet child of mine over and over well, play, again. Play, if really play if that's what puts you know. a smile on your face. Play, yeah, it. exactly. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because there's two there's two videos yeah. that I saw within the space of 24 hours on on it might have been TikTok or Facebook or something, <clears throat> and they were so polar opposite in the in the impact that they had on me. And and so the first one that I saw was a was a like a minute soundbite of Joe Satriani mm. talking about the discipline of learning the guitar. And he was like a, he was like an army drill sergeant. He was like, the guitar tells you what you need to learn, right? He's like, the first thing that I say to students when they rock up to a lesson with me is, do you know all the notes on the fretboard? And if they, if they go, yeah, I think so. And I go, and I go, right, to give me a, you know, this note on this string. And they hesitate for a second. He's like, no, you don't know. Go, go away and learn it. That, that, and he's just like, then I, then I speak to him. Do you know all the chords on the guitar? I know some, do you know all of them? No? Well, there you go. That's what you've got to go and learn now. Do you know all the scales? And I was just like, wow, man, that's, 
I mean, I love him as a guitar player. Yeah. I think he's a phenomenal guitar player and showman and all of that. And Surfing with the Alien was a seminal album in my youth. But, but I left watching that minute interview just going, I am in no way inspired to go and learn guitar now because all it's doing is reminding me of all the things that I don't know. <clears throat> and, and, and he's right. I mean, he's not wrong in what he's saying. The guitar is telling me what I don't know. And he's telling me what I don't know. And he's saying, it's not a mystery go and invest the time and learn those things and then you will be a better guitar player, right? Fine, whatever. Okay, good. I, I, then the next, in the next 24 hours, a similar clip appeared of, of Steve Vai, right? Yeah. Who, who is a guitar player I don't particularly gravitate towards. No. Uh, I mean, I admire him. His playing is insane. For the Love of God is a beautiful track and, and the man is a, is, is a wizard, right? But he's not someone whose guitar playing moves me in the way that that others move me. But I think he's really charismatic and, and I love the way he talks about guitar. And in that same one minute kind of time frame, he talked about learning the guitar. And he, he said, there's different ways of like approaching the instrument. And fundamentally, what it's about is being able to communicate what's in here, and he's pointing to his head, and, and what's in here, and he's pointing to his heart, and finding a way and facility to make that happen through your instrument. Yeah. Right? And he said, he said, for me, the way that I had to get to that route and that place is by being really academic with it. Yeah. Said, because that's the type of guitar player I am. And that's how I was able to find a way to get what was inside me out and, and verbalize through the guitar. He said, and I'm interested in it. And he said, that's why I'm super academic with it. I understand all the notes on the guitar. I know all the scales. I learned all the chords. And, and that's how I got to where I am. But he's like, <clears throat> that's not every guitarist. And he said, people shouldn't get hung up on that's the way how to be yeah. like a guitar player. He said, there's so many great guitarists and he cites a few different names. I think he cited Bob Dylan as one. And, you know, in my head, I'm thinking like BB King and people like that. Yeah. They did have a technical facility on the guitar, right? Yeah. But it wasn't, it, they didn't sit and agonize about learning all the modes and things no. in order to communicate what was in their head and their heart. And I thought that's a really interesting, um, like, parallel between those two guitar players who yeah. actually i think vi learned from satriani didn't he wasn't satriani vi's teacher that's right yeah or, or i think something. so yeah. um so it was quite interesting within the space of 24 hours to see those two sound bites and then gravitate much towards what steve vi was saying and, and be quite quite actually um left cold with what satriani was saying and i know these were taken in isolation and out of context and all of that but um it kind of reinforces the point you were making which is just play because you enjoy it and you want to communicate something rather than yeah, getting exactly that, that you don't that you don't know all the scales and modes it's it's definitely kind of it's important i completely see it from steve vai's point of view i feel like i'm trying to be more academic with my playing as well but uh, this is exactly why i mentioned this good habit that i want to get into this year of playing for the enjoyment of playing guitars. I don't want to lose that. It's important to maintain, um, you know, a sense of, of musical enjoyment, regardless, you mm -hmm. know, of whether I'm trying to break away from relying on a pentatonic scale shape mm -hmm. to know where mm -hmm. I should be playing. I'm trying to get to a point where I don't think about the scale shape or the scale type at all. I'm trying to get to a point where I'm thinking about, you know, just the if there's a melody already coming you know to me in my head that i can go uh, there's less between it appearing in my head and it kind of happening yeah. on on the fingerboard Do you know what i mean less yeah. processing required of course. that's of kind course. of what i'm trying to get to but yeah. in the process of getting there i don't want to lose the enjoyment of playing because i do still really enjoy just sitting down and jamming a blues and and uh you know what i mean and, and playing doesn't. some stevie ray vaughan licks and things like that yeah, those yeah, things will happens. always hit the spot Regardless yeah. of the, you know, the, where, where the origin of that is musically. So yeah. don't ever let go of that. And also the feeling of that and the joy of that should feed into, you know, uh, the things I'm trying to improve in my playing as well, you know. Mm. Mm. So <clears throat> yeah, I totally agree, man. And there's a, there's a halfway between that, right? And, and I think, I think you helped me kind of see that with some of the lessons that you were trying to impart on me last year or the year before. And the thing that I'm going to take into this year more in my practicing mm. um, and in my live playing is just looking to target certain notes over certain changes and keeping it as simple as that, right? Yeah. Because, because there is something that happens. There's a void like between the practicing and the theoretical stuff that I do at home and then in a live setting where 
in the in the heat of a band mix and you're and you're playing these solos and you're improvising and then it's very easy to just like let your heart completely just take over and just blaze pentatonic stuff until the cows come home and it's just it all works and everyone loves it because it because it but i'm just trying to find that that thing in the middle that allows me to still do the latter bit which is enjoy myself in a live setting and not be too in my head with what i'm doing and work on the performance and still put on a good performance for somebody and not make it look like i'm thinking about what i'm playing because no one wants to see that when they go and see a band they want to see a band having a good time and and jumping around and and playing great music right and not hitting bum notes but i just want to work on at least in every every kind of solo just being more competent and conscious about the notes and when i'm targeting certain changes that are happening underneath and just that just that if i can work on that this year and get better at that i'll have made some some big big strides forward yeah yeah absolutely that's 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 a great target that's a great target to have and the cool thing is is you don't need to be playing complex music to be practicing this kind of stuff you know exactly even like if you're doing a blues you know yep so the thing I I didn't I, you know it didn't really occur to me until quite recently you know when you when you were growing up and learning to play a blues often you know it'd be like a in a it would be like a d and e seven would be the chords mm. right mm. you know you'd be playing your a minor pentatonic and it, you know it works over the whole thing but That's it should thing. but it shouldn't work over the e seven mm. you know the e seven has got an you know an a major seven note in it you know that's the, the major third you don't have that in the pentatonic the a minor pentatonic you know so even a normal blues you know you should be thinking about what you do over the five chord different mm-hmm. to the pentatonic mm-hmm. scale you'd usually use mm-hmm. you can do it so you like it's not even like it's complex music that you need to be playing to practice these things exactly. it's the simplest exactly. of music that you can yeah. still practice these things and yeah. the greatest the best thing to do i think for like that kind of thing is sit down on your acoustic guitar and try and see if you can solo over a blues yeah. and, and and make yourself hear the chord changes as you're soloing without having to play the chords as they yes. change. Exactly. Try and imply them somehow, you know. Yes, that's exactly how I do it. That's what I was doing this week as I was playing just a, it wasn't a blues piece, it, but it was a, it was more kind of like a, like a f- f- Spanish-inspired flamenco-y type piece, but not particularly complex in the chordal structure. So I was playing the rhythmic stuff, but then you know how we as solo instrumentalists sometimes like to then embellish with little solo lead lines that would be there if you were playing as two guitarists, but you're playing, you're holding down the basic chord changes, but you're also putting little uh, lead flourishes in between as if yeah. you were playing. About. So I was doing that, but then trying to make sure that those little lead bits that I was were doing were targeting the changes that would have been happening in those chords as Perfect. I was doing it. Yeah. And I was just like, just this simple exercise in itself is keeping that whole pace and tonality of that song going without needing to have it on a backing track. And I was exactly. just like, this is this is this is the thing that I need to, to get get better at. Yeah. There we go, dude. Well, hey man, the there we go. Those are things the first one of twenty twenty three. What a pleasure. Yeah, man. What a pleasure, mate. What a so, pleasure. Uh, so onwards with those uh, new habits and, uh, yeah. you know, hope you have many fo- many more guitar safaris. Um, yes, mate. mate. With you. With yeah, you, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, on that note, mate, let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, hope we have a good couple of weeks and then um, we'll get back together for another one and enjoy it. And a good, absolutely, and mate. Have a good January, mate. I mean, I'll speak yeah, to and you. Look stuff. after yourself. I'll yeah, speak we'll to do. you soon, buddy. Feel better soon, okay? We'll do. All the best, mate. I'll speak soon. All right. Ta-da. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, and once again, I hope you are having a good start to the new year. If you like what you hear, then remember there are 69 other episodes going back two years now that you can check out, where we talk about all kinds of things like the best budget guitar amps, easy steps to improving your tone, and our desert island guitar rigs. Go and enjoy them. Anyway, best wishes. See you next time on the Guitar Smarts Podcast. Bye-bye.